Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Chris Peterson speaks on the beauty and reality of God. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. All right. Evening, everyone. Wow. Good, good evening, everyone. Uh, so I am the uh, student ministry pastor here. I minister to children. So just FYI, for those who do not know me, there may be video clips that will randomly appear. I may ask questions. I might just get right up in your face because that's what you have to do when you're in a room full of children if you're going to keep their attention, especially for two hours. Can I get an amen? amen. So that's just how I'm going to roll today. Everyone, everyone all right with that? All right, opening question. Uh, best place you've ever visited? Just close your eyes. Best place you've ever visited? Raise your hand if you've got that best place you've ever visited. I mean, some of you guys have no hands up. Like, you've never been anywhere. I just live under a rock, Pastor Christopher. I don't go anywhere. I live in my closet. Best place you've ever visited. Who's got a place? I want you to think of that place because here's the reality. There is some place way better than that place. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We are going to be in Revelation chapter 4. We will be in the throne room. Um, uh, listen, uh, the Lord, uh, uh, Pastor Casey asked if I would speak. I said, sure. Wasn't really thinking what I was doing because that was like a long time ago. And then it kind of came upon me. And I asked the Lord, kind of, where do you want me to go? And he said, Revelation 4. And we are in a, in a house here, but we have some experts on eschatology. Do you guys know that? So, so Pastor Billy, like uh, Mr. Jamie, Pastor Jamie, uh, Mr. Yugi, these guys, uh, they really know. So I am like the least equipped person to speak on Revelation 4. So I was arguing with the Lord. Who knows? That's never a good idea. That just doesn't work. So we are in Revelation chapter 4. That is where we're going to be. Now, uh, the Bible says, uh, Ephesians 3.19, to know the love of God which surpasses knowledge. Now, the word surpasses is the English word from the Latin word that means not replaced. That was a joke. No one laughed. Surpassed, not replaced. Raise your hand if you need to know things. There is the love of God. We're about the love of God. And at the end of the day, nothing really makes sense without the love of God. But that does not replace knowing things. Turn to your neighbor and say no. We got to know some things. FYI, how many books in the Bible? Oh, we know some things. How many prophetic books in the Bible? No. He just said all of them. Oh, we got less than that. We need to know some things, right? There are, are you ready? How many in the Old Testament? 17. There are five major books of prophecy, 12 minor. Ladies, the minor prophets are the ones that have the names that you don't name your kids. Haggai, not a good name for the kids. That's the minor prophets. FYI, what's the difference between a major and a minor prophet. Man, we got to know things. We've got to know things. What's the difference? Thank you. If it fit on one scroll, it is a minor prophet. If it fit, now here's the deal. If you came on Sunday morning, the rock kids know that. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but they know things. So you are right. Minor prophets fit on one scroll. Major prophets would it take more than one scroll? So we got 17 in the Old. How many in the New Testament? Oh, one. There's one book of prophecy. Thank you. Here we go. Revelation. So we are going to be in Revelation. Now, 
uh, Revelation, uh, uh, the book of Revelation, uh, talks about God's righteous judgment, uh, that it is coming, and our righteous King Jesus is returning. God's plan to restore what sin has ruined as Jesus returns to rule and reign in righteousness. So we got a lot of right... Yes, can I see righteous? Turn your name and say righteous. The book of Revelation has got a lot of righteous information. Now, here's the deal. Uh, anybody see a world that's jacked up right now? Yeah, anybody see people that believe things that are just crazy not true and they think they're the truth? Now, that is the world, and we know that as we get ready for the return of Jesus, that is going to get worse. Here's a couple alarming verses. Ready? 1 Timothy 4.1, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, end times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. 2 Timothy 4.3 and 4, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears will uh, accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So why is there a great falling away, a rejection of truth? I believe there's two reasons. Because we have in end times bad theology and bad eschatology. Theology and eschatology. Theology is the understanding the word of God. And eschatology is understanding the return of God. That makes sense? Let's look at some verses. Revelation 1.3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Revelation 22.7. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. How many books in the Bible promise a blessing to those who read it? Again, we must know some things. How many? Uno. Say uno. Literally one of the 66 books promises a blessing for those who would read and understand it. Who would like to be blessed by God? So everyone's like, yes. Who here has spent a great deal of time in the book of Revelation? Okay, we got a couple people. Now listen, if you are, everyone's like, I'm afraid to say, you know, get it up. Right? Yeah, get your hand up, right? There is a blessing promised to those who are in the book of Revelation, who understand what it says and what it means. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get, and we'll pray after this. Yes. Dear guests, I am Mr. Walk, your host. Welcome to Fantasy Island. Welcome. FYI, the short guy with the bow tie, that was not me. That is tattoo. Anybody know that show? Oh, see, I dated myself. Long before there was streaming and things, there was like three TV stations. And at uh, 9 o'clock, no, there was 10 o'clock. You know, no, 9 o'clock on Saturday was Fantasy Island. Literally a TV show talking about fantasies coming true. Raise your hand if you know that we have a place that is far greater than any of your fantasies. That is what we are going to learn about today that hopefully will inspire you to realize it's all right 
to live life for something that you can't see. That makes sense? So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the truth. I thank you for your word. I pray that you would give ears in this room to hear, that you would uh, use my mouth to speak your truth. I pray that you'd give us all a heart to pursue your truth. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would make these words come to life and that you would do what you need to do in these next few moments to get our hearts ready for the return of our King. For the return of our King. We just thank you for that promise and we thank you for these moments together. And we just ask in the awesome, the powerful name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. amen. We got to understand heaven is not a mystical, theoretical place. Can I get an amen? You are not going to be little angels, like floating in clouds playing a harp. It's, we got to understand it. So just let me ask a question. Uh, in the story of creation, God creates, right? And the first five days when he creates things, at the end of the day, what does God say? It's good. Then he creates man, and what does he say? Very good. So I say that for this reason. Would we then say that Scripture would seem to be uh, saying that of all of the things that God created, man, man was it, right? That was, his, that was his best creation. Would we agree with that, right? Does that last, best for last, says very good. So here's where I'm trying to go with this. Ready? Heaven is real. Would anybody here argue that this place is real? No, we're like, no, this is real. And I think we forget that heaven is real. And not only is it real, we're going to get into that in a second, but you are going to experience it in a way that you cannot even comprehend. So if we were the best of the animals, we're the best of God's creation, ready? Sin happened 6,000 years, as the Bible says, and things have been decaying since then. Is everyone understanding that? We're all clear. So we have been decaying. That is why there are birth defects and diseases because we are not what God created in the garden because of what? Sin. Here's my point. There are birds, eagles, that hawks that fly a mile in the air and they can see a field mouse on the ground. We should have vision like that. So I'm just trying to think. When you think of like what you can see, you don't know what you're supposed to see. There are dogs, animals, that can sniff something, pick up that scent, and they can pick that scent up miles and miles away. Imagine what things are going to taste like when you have senses like that. See, we think this world is real. It is, but I'm here to tell you that heaven is going to be even more real. Science tells us that we only use 10% of our brain. 10%. And that 96% of the universe, check this out, right now, 96% of the universe, we can't see. We can't even comprehend it. Our eyes can't pick up on what's right here, right now. So my point is, you should get excited. Heaven is going to be what? Real. I want you to understand that. I mean, Real. I think we just like, ah, oh, yeah, it's probably going to be. No, real, and you are going to experience it in a way that you cannot even comprehend. That ought to get you excited and change the way you live. Can I get an amen? I'm going to say that a lot, so just get ready. Can I get an amen? Here's the deal. 
if we can understand how real and awesome heaven is, it is easy to reject the comforts and pleasures of this world. It's easy to say no to some of the things today if you realize what you're going to get for eternity. If we understand that heaven is real, it's easy to endure some of the trials, tribulations, and suffering that will come our way. But if you don't get that, we find ourselves like those in 1 Timothy, and what happens? We walk away because we don't really realize how awesome he is and all that is there in front of us if we will just persevere. What do you love most about this world? Close your eyes. Most about this world. Food. Okay, I love it. <laughs> she likes food. Listen, sports. What, anybody else want to throw some out there? You guys are like, I'm just afraid to talk. Huh? Friends, family. Listen, the things that you enjoy here, listen, you are going to get to enjoy there. Raise your hand if you, get the, if you understand that. I just, I just think we're like, well, I just don't even know what this heaven's even going to be like. Is it even worth that? It is going to be real, and you are going to do real things, things that you enjoy, and you're going to get to do them in a perfect body, and you're going to get to do them with your perfect king. That ought to change the way you see everything. It really should. So let's do this. Um, Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne room saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. You could ponder on that all day. The dwelling place of God is with man. That is something that you guys should be really excited about, and that should change how we live our life today. Something in us longs for more than this world. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says God has placed eternity in our heart. Who saw the movie Thor? Have you seen any of those movies? Ready? Okay. A little statistics. Ready? Anybody know how much Thor costs to make? A lot. That sounds like my answer is a lot. $150 million to make. It made $450 million. Right? What is Thor? It's a movie where we see a king. Oh, with supernatural powers ruling and reigning in a uh, supernatural universe. Hmm. Lord of the Rings. Anybody know how much that made? How much it took cost to make? $281 million to make, and it made, ready, $2.9 billion. $2.9 billion. Ready? Narnia. Anybody seen Narnia? Okay, look at you guys. See, now look at me. Best movie ever. Let me give you some statistics. Ready? Narnia. Uh, 560 million spent for the three movies, 1.5 billion made. Now, now listen, listen. Literally, the Lord has placed eternity in our hearts. There is something in everyone in this room who realizes there's something way more than this world. There's got to be. And something in us wants something far greater. So what do we do? We spend Billions of dollars going to movies that take us to this great place. And I'm here to tell you, we are going to go to a place far greater than that. Movies where we see, ready, 
indescribable creatures living in the kingdom beyond imagination, beyond words. So get ready for something far greater than any movie or fantasy, truth or reality. There are a hundred verses that mention hell. It is described as a place of gloom and darkness, a fiery abyss of punishment, unquenchable furnace of smoke and torment, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Fire is used because it's the greatest cause of natural pain. Bible makes it clear that hell is real, and it's a real, a real bad place to be. But salvation is more than avoiding punishment. It's more than avoiding eternity in hell. It's about pursuing. It's about a realization of an invitation to experience reality beyond imagination. I bet you folks don't have one of these. Wait for it. I want that. I want that. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want that. I want that. Who wants to experience a place like that? All right, so are you ready? Before we start, a couple things. We're going to get in there in a second. You're like, man, you haven't even started yet. No, I haven't. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the... See, you guys know things. In the beginning, God created the heaven. Here is my point. We're going to get ready to read about Revelation, and you must understand that what was created first, heaven. We, because we live here, think everything is like here. No, it's there. Here's my point. What we see there, we should see here. Does that make sense? This should be a reflection of what's going on there. So as we read Revelation, yes. There is a day where we are going to experience it firsthand, but also we're blessed, the promise of that blessing, because there are things we learn that will help us live life now, because what you're seeing there should be happening here. Does that make sense? So as we do that, I want you to realize we need to do it from that uh, uh, aspect. Here's your second truth. Where am I at here? Here we go. Thank you. Guys are very kind. As we read the words, don't get stuck in what your finite mind is seeing. Does that make sense? Because we're going to read it, and then your finite mind is going to try to see something. Revelation is not about what you're seeing. It's about what your, what your finite mind is seeing. It's about what your infinite God is revealing. Does that make sense? So I really want you, as we do Revelation, it's not about well, that looks weird. I wouldn't want to have nine eyes. I wouldn't want to have all this. No, 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 no. You're missing the point. It's not about what your eyes are seeing. What is God, our infinite God, revealing about himself? Does that make sense? It's about what he's revealing. All right? So with those things in mind, let us get into Revelation 4, 1 and 11. If you want to read along, you can. Otherwise, I will read out loud, and you guys can just, if you're not reading, close your eyes. And allow the Holy Spirit to help you picture the scene. And then I'm going to break those things down. That makes sense. Here we go. Revelation 4. After this I looked, and behold a door standing open in heaven. 
And the first voice which I heard speaking to me, like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat on the throne had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightnings and rumblings and perils of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes, in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. Day and night, they never ceased to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So that is the throne room. Now as we do that, do not let the word room throw you off. Okay? This is not a room. And we think of room like I can be like, so it's not like my bedroom with like a bunch of furniture in there. No, it's not like that at all. I think I've got a little scene right here. I was just thinking about this as I watch movies. Here we go at Thor. And what I love about this, look at how grand the room is. So you've got this grand room because this is what the Bible says. In the throne room, there are myriads, multitudes, thousands of thousands of beings are worshiping. And in the center of it is the throne. He is in the center of the throne. So I think you've got to remember, this room is going to be what? Ginormous. It is going to be spectacular. It's going to be like nothing you've ever seen. Think of like when you watch Lord of the Rings and you look at some of that stuff, you're like, who sees those movies? You're like, I wish I could live where those elves live. I want to live where they, anybody want to live where the elves live? I got some people like, they just, yeah. The Shire, I'm not so much with the Shire and Sam. Hey, Sam, let's go back to the Shire. Now I want to do that. But the, where the elves live, just here's what I want you to see. Look at how spectacular that is. There is a room made by God for God. What does a room like that look like? It's got to be spectacular. So we have the throne room, okay? Multitudes. And God is in the center of the throne room. Ready? What's going on there should go on here. Can I get an Amen. God is in the center of the throne room. Can I get an amen? Here's my question to you. Is he in the center of your room? Is he in the center of your life? Right there in this grand room made by him, furniture. It's got real furniture. What kind of a furniture does that look like? It's nothing from Ikea. I can promise you that. He is there, right? Joanna Gaines is not going to be doing any kind of makeover in that room. 
But in the center of the throne room is God. Here's my question. Is he in the center of your room? Now, the right answer is yes. Right? You guys know the right answer. Here's my question. Is he? When you get dressed, is he the reason you're wearing what you wear? When you watch what you watch, is he the reason you watch what you watch? Is he the reason you listen to what you listen to? Is he the reason you do what you do? Is he the reason you hang with who you hang? How many decisions do you make in your life where God has never been asked to be involved in any of it? I'm going to be honest with you. There's some seasons in my life, and I'm like, but what the heck was I thinking? Anybody do that? Why? Because who is not in the center of that decision? God. Yet in the throne room, who is in the center? God. We need to make sure he's in the center of our life. That makes sense? Center. Turn to your neighbor and say center. He needs to be in the center. Now, in the throne room, here's what I do. If you noticed, uh, in those verses, there were uh, songs and sounds. Think of the best song you've ever heard. Anybody? Best song. So in the throne room, there's songs. What's the best song you've ever heard? Just think about that. Here's what I was thinking about. So the best song you've ever heard, I love the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. It's like one of my favorite songs. It makes me cry. I'll just be honest, right? If you walk into my office, what is he doing? And I'm like, as, as I'm watching, it just moves me to tears. Ready? Compared to there, uh, my kids, when they were in elementary, I don't know why teachers tortured us with this, there was a thing called the recorder. Anybody play that? The ugly red flute, right? I don't know what it is about that thing. It's horrible. And then the teachers would teach our kids hot cross buns. Anybody know hot cross buns? See, I got some musicians who started hot cross buns on a recorder, and I had to take time off from work to go in and listen to my kids play hot cross buns poorly. Now, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. Worship team. I thought worship was really moving today, right? I really did. Guys, the best that we have here is like hot cross buns there. I mean, it just is. I mean, the move and you hear something now that just brings you to tears and you just, you're like, oh my gosh, you're undone. I, what's it like when you walk into a room created by God, made by God, he's in the center and his perfect creation is worshiping him in that room. There are songs and worship that you can't even comprehend. And not only songs and songs and sounds, but there's fragrances and smells. There's aromas. Anybody like the smell of cookies being baked? Anybody like the smell outside after the rain? Yeah. Anybody like the feel of a cool breeze in the summer? There are just things here, ladies and gentlemen, that make us happy. Smells that bring joy to us. And here's my point. Guess what's in the throne room? Sounds and smells, and fragrances. He literally is going to engage all of your senses. Again, what goes on there is supposed to go on here. Are you loving him with all of your senses right now? Do you engage him with everything? Heart, soul, mind. 
Do you ponder on the word, meditate on the word, and let him speak to your heart? He wants to engage you. That's what the throne is about. That's there, but raise your hand if he wants to, if you understand he wants to engage you right now today. He wants to engage you. The throne room. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Lights and colors. It's a real place, and this real place has an architect, a designer, a builder, and his name is God. Imagine being in a room designed by God, for God, with God. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking Anybody else talking about that? Okay, here we go. What is the most spectacular place you've ever visited? Best place. Anybody ever been to a, uh, anybody been to a dirty truck stop bathroom? Anybody been to one? Okay. Okay. Dirty trucks. Anybody been to a dirty truck stop or just a porta potty in general? Anyone used a porta potty? Anyone used a porta potty in the summer? Okay. Okay. Here's a, listen. Here's what I'm just trying to get you to see because I'm trying to get your mind to engage. The greatest place you have been is literally. It's not, that's not even comparable, but it's kind of gets you to, to get a sense of what I'm trying to do. It could be like a, a kaibo. It's like a dirty porta potty in the summer after someone's just eating chili. It's just not good. It's not good. That is what the best, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, that's what the best that this world has to offer when compared to the throne room, and we can read about that, and we're going to talk a little bit later about how you can literally be connected to the throne room. When compared to heaven, your best is not even close to its worst. It's not even close. It's not that things are not spectacular here. It's that they're just so much more spectacular there. As a matter of fact, heaven is so spectacular that John can't describe it. He uses phrases like the appearance of and like a, because there are literally no words that express what he has seen. He uses symbols not to be symbolic but rather to try and to describe the indescribable. Has anybody here ever been at a place where you've had a hard time expressing what you're feeling? I'm married. Being married to someone from the opposite gender is not easy, and sometimes I have a hard time literally expressing to my wife, Christine, how I'm feeling. I just don't know how to put it into words. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? That's literally what John is doing. He sees this, and he can't describe it, because God's indescribable. So here again, there, here. Is that how you view God? Is he indescribable to you? Because I tell you what, I oftentimes struggle because I want to put God in a box that makes sense to me. But that's not indescribable, is it? It takes away the awe of who God is. When you read scripture, when you look at the world that he created, the Bible says you should be in what? Awe. When you see the smile of someone that makes you smile, you should be in awe. When you eat bacon, you should be in awe. You should say, this came from an ugly pig, and he made that to taste delicious. You should be in awe of who he is all of the time, yet we can be so familiar that we just forget how awesome he is. Is anybody like that? And you're just like, ah. And then we forget why. 
Would we want to worship him 24 Because he is worthy. Because he is spectacular. John is trying to describe something that is greater than our, anything that our imagination can even imagine. 1 Corinthians 2 9, no, ear, eye, mind can imagine. 2 Corinthians 14, look not at the temporary things seen, but the eternal things not seen. Colossians 3 2, set your mind on the things that above. An understanding of the throne room of heaven keeps us from being bored or uninterested in the promises of God. Who here gets bored of the promises of God? Is anyone going to be bold enough to be honest? Thank you. I got one. He's like, I, I, sometimes I do. We just do. Okay, well, it's promise. But remember, look at, but when I understand what is waiting for me, does that not change what I must go through when I understand the prize? It really does. I mean, it really does. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in good due season you shall reap the reward. And understanding the throne room keeps us from being bored and uninterested. So let's unpack some of the words. Behold. We see the word behold here in Revelation 25 times in the book of Revelation. And it literally means check it out. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Say don't miss it. Anybody ever miss something spectacular? If you would have bought, who has an Apple product here, by the way? Apple. Literally has a bite taken out of it. I think it's from the devil. It's got literally an apple with a bite taken out of it. I hate my apple. I can't use it. I hate it. I just do. I'm just confessing that to you. I can't use technology. I don't even know how to, Miss Becca will tell you, I can literally do nothing. I can't work a remote control. I can't do keyless entry. I can do none of those things. It's horrible. It's not easy being old people, but watch this. If you would have spent $1,000 on Apple stock in July of 1982, how much would you have today? $3.1 million. Ready? Watch this. There were some people who missed it. Story of a guy who had a chance to buy in for less than that, and he's like, yeah, that computer thing sounds stupid, and he opted not to give his money to his buddy. He's in a garage. He's like, what do you think? I'm an idiot. I'm not going to give you $1,000. Mm, who's the idiot now? Here's the deal. He missed it. If you're not careful, guess what you're going to do? You're going to miss it. So over and over, he says, behold. I want you to see this. You got to see this. Over and over, we are told by God not to miss out on the glory of God. We were created in the image of God so that we could behold God. Do you understand that? Many of us have no idea of the beauty and glory of God because we have never beheld God. Now, you were created to behold. You were. You behold things all of the time. Uh, I don't like technology. But YouTube, 500 hours of video are updated every minute. One billion of hours of video I watched every day. That is 10 seconds. And literally when the Bible says, if your eyes cause you sin, pluck them out. 
I want to pluck my eyes out when I was like, that's, that was 10 seconds. That is, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, that is the most beheld thing on YouTube. 12 billion people have beheld that. Now, you're like, well, I don't do that. No, who does TikTok? Now, see, I was, there was like um, Hickory Hickory Doc, and there was Tic-Tac-Toe back in my day, but there was no TikTok. But here's the reality. We have these little things. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. And we behold them all of the time. And we don't spend time with the Lord. And this is literally what science tells us, that because we behold those things, and they're quick attention things, we, this is science, this is not me, you and I, today's humans have the attention span of eight seconds, which is that of a goldfish. Now look at, listen, behold. He's literally inviting us to behold him. Be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you just sat in a place comfortably with your Bible and started reading and then meditating? Not read, let me get my six chapters done. No. That's not what it's about. It's about beholding him, and we live in a society where we can't sit still for 10 seconds. Why? I want to tell you why, because the enemy doesn't want us to behold, and this is what happens, and we see that. The Israelites literally leave Egypt. They are delivered supernaturally, they're given gold on their way out, if you remember the story. Given gold. They get to Mount Sinai. Anybody remember what happened? God comes down. They're invited. They don't. They send Moses up. Moses goes up. Moses is beholding God, and it is so powerful. The Bible says he does not eat or drink for 40 days. Now, I don't understand that. I have gone 40 days without eating. It's not much fun. It's impossible to go to 40 days without drinking. He's in the presence of God, beholding God for 40 days. So what do the Israelites do? Well, they baby shark it. They baby shark it. Oh, where is Moses? God is on the mountain there. He's so awesome, Moses is not eating or drinking. They sit down, and they're like, I don't know what we should do. Hey, let's take the gold God gave us and make a cow. A cow. We should probably worship a cow. Yeah, that's what I would want to worship. And the Bible says they make an idol, and they do nasty things. You read commentaries, a lot of them would say that they were dancing naked. It was just, an, just, a, just a nasty, sinful exhibit of fleshly Ickiness at the present, God is at the top of the mountain. Here's my question Are you beholding Him? Do you behold Him? Do you take time to enjoy His presence? And how often, why He's right there inviting us in to experience His goodness, we are just like them, taking what He gave us, the gold and doing something horrible with it. The gifts that he gave us to draw us into his presence, we use to worship instead of his presence. Wow. He's inviting us to behold. 
Yet we baby shark it all the time. That's what we give our attention to. What has your attention today? Is it his presence? Do you seek him? Will you just wait? Do you have a prayer place at home? Because you need one. We got a prayer place here. How often are you in there? Hey, Asbury, they're doing worship and prayer 24-7. Really? We've been doing that for 17 years. Just 17 years. You want to behold God? Go to the prayer room at 2 in the morning. I love the night watch. Because God meets you there in the middle of the night. David said, I will not offer a sacrifice to God that costs me nothing. There's nothing wrong with being in the night. 24-7 is 24-7. He's worthy 24-7. Can I get an amen? He's worthy 10 o'clock on Tuesday. Yes, he is. But I tell you what, he's worthy at 2 in the morning on Sunday. Are you in the prayer room? Do you have a prayer room? Are you beholding him? Because he's inviting you to behold him. Behold him. Open door. We see an open door in there, and it's a literal door. Anybody see Narnia? Remember? She goes into the little wardrobe, and then she gets to the back, and then she literally opens the door, and that door connects her to another world. There is a real world, and it has an open door, and that's important because it's a real place, a real place. I want you to understand that over and over, what he's trying to get you to see is even though it's spectacular, so spectacular it's hard to comprehend, he wants you to know it's real. Do you understand that it's real? It's real. She's like, yeah, yes, uh, yes, because you're staring at me really intensely. Yes, I believe you. It's real. It's an open door. Into the spiritual world, Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. A real door in a real place. It's more than a dream or vision. Philippians 3.21. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things around him? A real place. We talked about this earlier that will be experienced in a real body. Jesus walked after the resurrection. He walked, he talked, he talked with people, he touched people, and he ate. You are going to enjoy life. Do you understand that? Because I think sometimes you don't really get that. Real. Turn your name and say real. I, I mean, I, I want you to understand it's so, so real. That voice like a trumpet. You're like, what's that all about, Pastor Christopher? Voice like a trumpet. Remember, it's not what you see it's what is he revealing. So I want you to think about trumpet. Why would he reveal his voice as a trumpet? Well, with all that's going on around the throne, we've got myriads, thousands and thousands are worshiping. When he talks, he's heard. Anybody hear a trumpet play? Well, I tell you what, when a trumpet plays, I don't care what's going around, you hear the trumpet. Can I get an amen? Ready? You hear it no matter what's going on. So here's what we got. With all going around the throne, the voices of the multitudes, notice the voice of God is clearly recognized and distinguished. John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. E.F. Hutton, when God speaks, do you listen? Do you listen to God? Do you? His promises, 
Are his promises right and wrong? Or do you allow the world to establish that? See, in the throne room, there is lots going on. Is there a lot of noise and distraction in this world right here today? Oh, my goodness, is there a lot of noise. And in the throne room, he literally reminded you, my voice is like a trumpet. My truth rings out loud, and my people hear and recognize my voice no matter what's going on around me. Anybody got a mom who could get your attention no matter what was going on? You could just hear her voice? Yeah, God's voice is like a trumpet. Notice that before John saw him, he heard him. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, walk by faith, not by. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. A trumpet, ladies and gentlemen, was used to give directions. It's used to alert and warn. Huh, sounds like the voice of God. To make announcements and proclamations, someone say voice of God, was a regular part of worship and service and used for holy and sacred events. A trumpet is loud, it is majestic, and it is beautiful. Would that not be the voice of God? Yeah, it is loud, but it is beautiful, and it can create wonderful music, and it can warn you when you need to be warned, and it can soothe you when you need to be soothed. That's the voice of God. Come up here. Come up here. We are invited to see things from his perspective. We are invited to bring our prayers up to him in the throne room, the most exclusive place ever. I want you to think about Esther 4.11. If you remember the story in Esther 4.11, what did she say? People are in danger. So Mordecai says, hey, I need you to go to the king. And she says, yeah, that's not possible. If I go into the king's room without an invitation, I could be killed. This is, a, this is some scrawny little human king. The king of kings in that throne room has invited you up. And has said, come here. Behold me. Come here. Raise your hand if you understand he is inviting you into his promises. He is inviting you into his will. He is inviting you into what he's doing. He's inviting you. He says, come here to the throne room. Come here. He is inviting you. He is giving you permission to come into his presence. Man, it's a real place. And you've been given an invitation to be part of it. What? I know. What? I was doing some research. There's a golf course, the Liberty National Golf Club. It costs $450,000 to join. $25,000 a year after you join. That's exclusive. Listen, <laughs> this is crazy. The throne room, you have been invited. You have been invited. Listen to this. I love this. Revelations 5.8. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Revelation 8.4. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. This is what these verses remind us, that our prayers literally connect us to the throne room. We have an invitation from God to be part of the throne room of God. 
When you pray, ladies and gentlemen, your prayers are not like balloons that just go up into the sky and disappear. You're like, oh, I don't even know what's up with that. They connect you to the throne room. Who is excited to see the throne room one day? Now, you should be. But raise your hand if you understand. You can be connected to the throne room today. You can behold him. And when you pray, your prayers go into these giant bowls. And as it fills up, when the time is right, those bowls pour out as answers to your prayers. Who here has ever received an answer to your prayer? came from the throne room. It came from the throne room. One accident wasn't just chance. No. You are connected to the throne room. You are invited to go up and to be connected into the throne room. Our prayers are not empty words that do not matter. They fill a bowl in the throne room where God is. And when the time is right, where those prayers are poured out as answers. What we can't see now in the natural is very much real part of the spiritual. Our God chooses, look at this, to allow our prayers to be part of his perfect purpose and plans. Do you get that? He chooses to allow our prayers to be part of his perfect purpose and plans. How often do you pray? Bless you. How often do you pray? You've been invited to be connected to the throne, but if you're not praying, are you being connected? Tell you what, sometimes I feel convicted because I got all kinds of time for all kinds of things. But boy, I tell you what, I don't behold like I should. I don't answer the invitation to come in like I should. And I don't connect to the throne room in my prayers like I should. Every time I pray, are you praying? If you feel distant with God, I don't know where you're at. I would just encourage you that it's not as hard as you think because he's invited you to behold him. He's invited you to connect with him. You just have to make time for him. Right? We're waiting for kind of some crazy thing. It's like, read the throne room. Read Revelation 4. What's going on there is supposed to happen here. I will show you. God's plan is set. He is in total and complete control. He is not dependent upon anything the enemy is doing. Who here has seen the cartoon of like the angel and the devil like battling, right? So like there's this battle between good and evil. Listen, that's, a, that's not the way it is in, in, in the Bible. Does everybody understand that? God has already won. There is no battle. There is no, oh, there's this, this last minute Jesus doesn't show up and pull out like a touchdown with no time left. They're like, whoo, wow, that was a close one. For a second there, it's kind of, no, it's done. It is set. Now, look at me. This is why that should make you feel good, because as we get ready for the return of Jesus, things are going to look crazy. You need to know that in the throne room, it's set. Set. The throne is set, and he sits. Is he pacing? So you're looking around, what's going on down there? Oh, no, I didn't see that one coming. Oh, let me get the aid. He's not doing any of those things. The throne is set, and he sits. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, what was created first? Heaven. This was set, and he was sitting before any of this was made and before any of these problems occurred. Wow. 
and you can be connected to that place. Now, that ought to excite you, and that ought to give you comfort when you're going around some things like, man, the world's jacked. It is jacked up. It's jacked up, people. It's jacked up. Molly was doctor's office, and she had a little boy, six years old. She came in. She was just telling the story, and she was really kind of distraught. And usually when Molly comes home, she's got some funny stories. I always love to hear the stories with the kids because kids say and do some dumb things. They do funny things. That's why I do children's ministry. They're not easy, but they do funny things. But she came home this day, and she was distraught. Little six-year-old boy, she came in. She goes, hey, buddy. And the mom says, no, um, uh, we're not, uh, we're just kind of playing around right now, but he's not identifying as a boy. He is six. It is a jacked-up world. But as we live in this jacked-up world, we do so knowing that there is a throne room and it is set. And the one who is in charge sits. And he's been there before any of this happened. And Jesus said on the cross that it is what? It's finished. It's finished. And we're on his team. That ought to make you feel good. God won before it begun. Oh, come on. I don't get nothing for that. I mean, the kids will give me a something for that. You say, yeah, you have to do better than that. The truth should change the way we see the Bible. Ready? How much time do you spend reading the Bible? I will show you. God desires to show you. He desires to show you who he is, who you are. He desires to show you how and show you what. But if you don't read the Bible, study the Bible, how are you going to know what God wants you to do? Things seem blurred when you're not in the Word. Just in case you're not going to give me some, I'll get a little minion mic drop because I don't trust your guys' response. Things seem blurred when you're not in the Word. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to know things. Can I get an Amen. If you, listen, who here sometimes is giving, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Come on, you do it. Are you in the word? Do you read? How often do you read? Listen, I love my wife, Christine, but I promise you, if I did not know what color her eyes are and what she liked and what her interests were, if I did not take the time to get to know who she is and what separates her from everybody else, I wouldn't love her. You got to spend time with the people you love if you're going to know them. And if you love him, you spend time with him. And where do you do that? In the word. So we're like, ah, we just, we just want revival. Guys, I just want you to love the Lord. And I want you to love the Lord at your house. And I want you to love the Lord on Tuesday in your car. And I want you, the next time you're home, to just get your Bible out and say, I just want to read, and I want to behold him. What's he saying about him? Because remember, it's what he's revealing about himself. I don't read scripture to make myself feel good or try to twist things, isogesis, to make me support what I think. No, it's exegesis. It's what are you saying about you? What are you revealing about you? But if you are not in the word, how are you going to know him? I just wish I knew him. Are you in the word? Do you pray? Do you behold? 
have you come up into the throne room? He's invited you. In the spirit, again, he's trying to get us to see that this is not a dream. There's a real door to a real place. It's not a dream. It's not a vision. It's a visit. It's a visit to a real place. 2 Corinthians 12, 1 and 4, Paul was caught up in the spirit, he says. We are body, soul, spirit. And John finds himself traveling to the throne room. And as I was beholding him, and I'm just thinking about what that's like, this is what the Lord spoke to me. Scotty, beam us up fast. Fast. We get a chance. We'll talk about the rapture. Who here has ever seen those superhero movies? You're like, I, I, I wish I could fly. Oh, really? No boy put a cape on when he was little. Thank you. Our soccer star in the back is going to say, yes, I did. No one put on a cape when they were little. No one tried to be Superman. No one. Girls are like, no, no, we didn't do that. No. Oh, Bible man. He's like, I just watched Bible man. I don't really have any superhero powers. But I have a Bible and I beat up bad villains. Anybody watch Bible Man just by the way? Yeah. Eh. I, went to the con- I went to a show. I went to a Bible Man show with my kids at Hebron Church. Yes, I did. All right. Here's my point. Gonna fl- the rapture. This is going to happen. You are going to get to do some crazy, incredible things that we have to look forward to. And where do you find them? Right here in the scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5.8, to be absent of the body is to be the presence of the Lord. All right, throne set in heaven, cannot be moved, sat on the throne. So let's do this. Um, and then I think, we're, uh, what time do you guys want to get down here? Well, I don't know, because we can wrap. I don't want to just, I mean, like, no, we don't have to go to bed. Uh, got a dance party? All right, here we go. Sat on the throne. Not nervous. He's in control. He's not waiting for anything because everything was predetermined. So God is transcendent. It literally means other than. Say other than. Alrighty, so watch this. Uh, as we get ready to talk about what John saw, it's important to realize that God is like nothing. God is sitting. Jesus says that God is spirit, but is not a spirit. Did you catch that? God is spirit, but not a spirit. So John sees God. And in that, if you, he says he has a shape and a form, and he knows that it is God. Does that make sense? So again, God is choosing to do what? It's not what I see. He's revealing. So what is he revealing about himself? And again, uh, movies are just crazy because there's something in us that realizes there should be more. So there was a movie that I saw. It was a horrible movie. I would not recommend seeing it. But in the movie, the supreme being... I just want you to look at what the Supreme even looked at. So can I get this clip right here? Because as I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh. That's like the throne room. Now he's not sitting, but notice in the shape of a stone, is, he's in the shape of a what? He's a man, stone, and he's what? Red, carnelian, and white, or jasper and carnelian, you literally see in this movie a vision of what is going on in the throne room. There is one seated on the throne. God is spirit, 
but he, uh, but is not a spirit. That's the corporality. God, a spirit, reveals himself, not in flesh and blood. Why? Because that's Jesus. Can I get an amen? Jesus reveals himself in flesh and blood. He does it in a shape and a form so that his great majesty and beauty can be what? Experienced, but obviously not in the fullness of it. John 1, 18 and 1 Timothy 1, 17 tells us that God is invisible, that he cannot be seen, and that is true. Are you ready? Why is that true? Because you're like, I can see something here. Listen, that's because the essence of God, the characteristics that make God God cannot be seen. Are you following me? Can you see eternity? Can you see omniscient? Can you see omnipotent. You can't see those things. The things that make God, God, the essence and characteristics of God are unseen. Does that make sense? Can't see that. I can't see what it means, what that, what that is like. All of those things that make God, God are the things that cannot be seen. Does that make sense? So God cannot be seen, but he chooses in the scene to reveal himself so that you'll just get excited. So let's talk quickly about the Jasper and the Carnelian. Important to remember that everything God does, everything that God created is done with intentionality for a reason. These stones speak to the character and nature of God. They fascinate our minds and they draw us to him. All right, so we've got that right there, Jasper, brilliant and radiant like a diamond, indescribable brilliance with no darkness whatsoever. As John looks at the Jasper, he gets a glimpse of the indescribable holiness and purity and beauty of God as it's being revealed by God. I'm looking at one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Brianna. I've known her since she was little, and boy, did she have attitude when she was this small. But here's what I'm looking at, a beautiful ring. And it's, listen, it's a diamond, right? And now look at that. It captures light, and it reflects and it's beautiful, and it's mesmerizing. And every lady wants a ring. And they, she's like, amen. Amen, she says, right? And when you have it, this is what they do, ready? That's God. So he shows us that so that you'll be drawn to his purity, to his beauty, and to his holiness. We get a glimpse of that. Psalm 104.2, covering yourself with light, as, with light as with a garment. 1 Timothy 6.16, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. Jasper was also the last stone in the high priest's breastplate. Guess what the first stone was? Sardis. As John looks at the throne, he sees a glimpse of our great high priest, the first alpha and the last omega. The Sardis is deep, fiery red. A red stone. What does red remind us of, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you. Of the sacrificial love of God. Song of Solomon 8.6. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy as fiery as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flames of the Lord. Now when I say Valentine's Day, which was just a couple days ago, what color comes to mind? Red. He's revealing his holiness, his purity, his beauty, right? Ladies, your diamond. And he's also revealing his what? His sacrificial love. 
The Sardis stone reminds us of the burning love that God has for his children. If you were going to color a flame, what color would you use? Red. Refining fire, the righteous judgment of God, Zechariah 13.9. And I will put this third into a fire and refine as one refines silver and test them as gold as gold is tested. Let's stop there. If I can get the, uh, worship, or the uh, worship team to come up, we'll do some music, and we'll just do some reflection time. That's a lot. Behold, who here realizes, listen, as you leave this place, I hope you leave. We're going to spend some time in a second in prayer realizing that there is a place that is real. It's real. And it is worth more than you could possibly imagine. And you one day will get to enjoy it, but you get to be part of that today. Raise your hand if you understand that. It's real. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersatl. We'll see you in the next episode.